Our reading for this, this Sunday comes from Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him, and they said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away into the villages, so that they can go and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. Then he said to him, they, I'm sorry, they said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is our reading here this morning. Please be seated. We pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we pray that this worship service glorifies your son, Jesus. And that we would all learn and grow about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell among us, that the Holy Spirit would shape and mold our hearts and minds to hear your word. And no matter who we are and where we're at spiritually, that you would draw all of us closer to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. All this we lift up in your holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Everyone, um, if I haven't, oh, sorry. If I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Brady. I'm a vicar here at Grace Hill Church, and uh, it's a blessing to worship with all of you here this morning. Uh, just a little disclaimer, if I look a little robotic up here, I strained my neck yesterday. Uh, I was sledding with my little girls, and my head and my heart said, Brady, you're still 20 years old, but my body is, is telling me this morning that that is not true. So so bear with me. If I'm not looking, I'm trying to look to everybody, but uh, bear with me. But, um, but thank you all for being here this morning with us. Um, if you're new with us, you may not know this, but in the month of January, we're going through a sermon series called Five Ways That God Helps Us to Grow. And what we've talked about is that all of us have areas that we can grow, and God has no intentions of leaving us right where we're at. That as his children, he calls us into this opportunity to continue to grow on our faith every single day. And he uses different things like his word, we've talked about, or, or relationships, or different disciplines that we can adopt into our lives to help us to get to that point. And we're going to be continuing that conversation here this morning. And as we do, I want, you to, invite, I want to invite you to uh, consider a scenario with me for a second. Let's say that you're, you're driving around town, <clears throat> and as you approach a stoplight, it's going to turn red, so you're going to have to stop. And you look to the side, and you notice there's someone standing there on the corner of the street. Uh, maybe their, their clothes look a little raggedy. Maybe they haven't bathed for a while. And they're asking for help. They're asking for, for money or for food or anything. And so I ask you, what, what goes through your mind? What do you do as you approach that person standing on the corner of the street? I had this happen to me just a couple days ago. I was, I was headed south on 180th Street towards the Dodge Overpass, and sure enough, the light turned red. And as I pulled up to stop, I noticed to my left there's someone standing there in that situation. But 
they were a couple streets over, so I, I couldn't get to them, and I surprised myself a little bit about just how relieved I was that I was far enough away, that I wasn't going to have to face that situation. I wasn't going to have to decide, am I going to help this person or am I not? If I do help this person, what am I going to do for them? And if I decide not to, what am I going to do to avoid eye contact for those 20 or 30 seconds, right? You've you've probably all been there. Or or think for a second, you're out to lunch with a friend and, and over the course of conversation, that friend starts to share something pretty difficult with you that they're facing, And before you know it, their voice starts to crack a little bit. Maybe there's a tear that comes to their eye. And right there in front of you, they just break down crying. What do you do in these situations? We we could talk about hundreds of other scenarios just like that. But I think what this helps us to realize is that when we're faced with the needs of other people, it makes us uncomfortable, right? There's that that dilemma that begins inside of us. What are we going to do? Is there anything that we can do? And we get uncomfortable. And I think there's a few different reasons for for why we get uncomfortable in these situations. Maybe the issue is that we just don't know what we have to offer. If you are an employee for a company or in business or anything like that, you've probably heard of things like strength finders or or SWOT analysis or, or working genius or any of those that are geared towards trying to help you figure out how you're gifted. Millions and millions of people buy those books every single year, which kind of tells me there's this crisis of identity that we have. We, we don't know what we're good at. We don't know what we're passionate about. We don't know what we have to offer to the world around us or to offer to God and service. And so maybe sometimes we just decide not to do anything because we don't know what we have to offer anyways. Or, or maybe we do have a sense of what gifts God has blessed us with, But as we look at all the needs around us, we get overwhelmed and decide, even if I did offer this up, it wouldn't do any good anyways, right? I mean, we've served with a lot of different organizations this past year as a church, and what has become painfully obvious to us is just how much need exists in our community here in Omaha. We've worked with groups like Heartland Hope Food Pantry, right? Hungry people. Uh, We worked with Sleep in Heavenly Peace, kids that don't have beds to sleep in. Uh, I've got a name, women that need to be rescued from terrible situations. Uh, We've worked with Crossroads Connection Prison Ministry, men that have been in prison and completely forgotten for years. There's a lot of need out there, so maybe for some of us, we see that great need and just convince ourselves, even what I do have to offer, it will never be enough. And finally, I think sometimes what makes us feel uncomfortable is this struggle we have with our own selfishness, right? We, we know what we're good at. We, we know what passions and gifts that we have, but we've decided that those are for us to use. Those are for us to use for our purposes, and once again, we decide to do nothing. And we may struggle with any three of these, and, and I think when we get into these uncomfortable situations, what we're tempted to do is just to say, Jesus, take these people away. Send these needs away somewhere else. I don't have what it takes. Send them somewhere else so someone else can help their need to be met. Jesus' disciples in our reading for today, they were facing pretty much that identical situation, weren't they? They, they were surrounded by this crowd of very, very hungry people. Those people had walked for miles just to get to Jesus, and Jesus had spent a lot of that day healing their illnesses. And then night starts to fall, and the disciples start to feel a little bit uncomfortable, not sure what they have to offer, not sure that even if they do have something to offer that would ever be enough and maybe a little bit of selfishness too, right? It had been a long day for them. 
They were ready to have a break. And so this is what they came to Jesus and said. I'm going to grab my clicker, sorry. All right, back here. Okay, here we go. So this is what Jesus said, to, or this is what they said to Jesus. Now it was evening. The disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And this is what they told Jesus. They said, Jesus, we don't have what it takes. Just send them away somewhere else so they can go find their own food. Send them somewhere else where they can have their needs met. But Jesus, he's not buying it even for a second. This is what he responds to them in verse 16. He says, they don't need to go away. You, you give them something to eat. Jesus is telling them, you be the ones to take care of these needs. You take care of this thing that you believe you have no way of having any impact on. And I wonder if sometimes Jesus is saying something similar to us too. That as we're tempted in our, in our inadequacy or in our selfishness to say, Jesus, send the people away. He says, no, you take care of it. You give them something to eat. You be the ones to meet the need that you see. I think sometimes we misunderstand these words from Jesus. Right? I think we see it as a command, as Jesus saying, you do it, come on. But I want to argue this morning that what that actually is, is it's an invitation from Jesus. It's not a command to do it ourselves. It's an invitation that Jesus is giving us to come be part of something bigger than yourself. Come into this thing that I'm able to do, that I'm planning to do, and it's an incredible opportunity to grow in the faith and he doesn't want us to miss out on that opportunity that he gives. See, Jesus does two very important things for his disciples in our story for this morning. Our, we took our reading from Matthew today, uh, but something that's very neat about the Gospels is that those books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, they, they all tell the story of Jesus' life and of his ministry, but they all do it with a little bit different perspective. And, and this story, the feeding of the 5,000, it happens to be included in all four of those Gospels, again, each with a little perspective. And I want to draw our attention to the way that Mark tells this story. See, in Mark chapter 6, what Jesus does after he invites the disciples to be the one to meet the need, he says this to them. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. He's telling his disciples to go and take stock of what resources they have available to them. He said, don't come to me and tell me you don't have enough. Let's see what you've got first. Let's just start there. And so he sends them out amongst the crowds. And that's, that's what they do. They go and see what they have, and they come back to Jesus and announce to him, well, Jesus, we found five loaves and two fish. Now, I'm sure they weren't feeling too great about themselves that they only found five loaves and two fish. We all know that that's not going to go very far in trying to feed 5,000 people. But notice what Jesus says to them, or, or maybe notice even more what he doesn't say to them. He doesn't get mad at them and say, are you kidding me? That's all you could find? Go get more. Or he doesn't say, you know, wow, you guys are, you guys are right. I, I underestimated the situation. Like, Luke, somebody go get the boat ready. We're going to skedaddle out of here while no one's looking, okay? That's not what Jesus says in the story. He simply comes to them and he says, all right, bring them to me. You know, I envision Jesus as he says that to be very confident. He says, bring them to me. I imagine he's thinking five loaves and two fish, like I could have done them with one loaf. Like, what are you guys worried about? But the disciples don't think it's enough, but he says, bring them to me. And so they do, and he blesses the food, 
And then he starts handing out the food to his disciples. And then his disciples start handing the food out to the people. And pretty soon, 5,000 people, actually more than 5,000 people, are fed. You know, Jesus has never asked us to meet the needs around us all by ourselves, right? He promises that he's going to walk right alongside us throughout the entire process. But he's given us our homework, just like he did with the disciples. He's saying, what gifts do you have available to you? Go and see. So I ask you this morning, what are your gifts? What are, what are your talents? What are your passions? What are you good at that you can offer to God in service? You know, I think it's exciting sometimes, a little scary too, but nonetheless exciting. God knows each and every one of us better than any of us know ourselves, right? God knows exactly how he has gifted you. He knows exactly why he has gifted you the way he has. He knows exactly what he plans to do with you and your gifts. And he's inviting us into this process. Come see how I've blessed you. You do it because I'm going to do it through you. It's not a command, it's an invitation. And we all have something to give. The Bible tells us that God equips his people for service in his kingdom. He says that his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And when that Holy Spirit comes, it doesn't come empty-handed. Holy Spirit brings gifts, brings talents, brings abilities. The Holy Spirit produces fruit through us as God's beloved children. And as you spend time praying and pondering and, and considering what gifts he has maybe given to you. As, as you go out into the world around you, you take those gifts with you and you learn more and more what fits and what doesn't. That's you answering that call that Jesus gave to his disciples to go and see. Go and see what you have to work with. And then we come back to him. And the, and the things that we bring, these are our five loaves and our two fish that we bring back to God, right? The, the five loaves and two fish that we offer in the midst of people that are spiritually and physically and emotionally in need. In those times where we're tempted to say, Jesus, there's no way it's enough, he says, well, well let me know what you've got. So, so maybe you come before God and you say, well, I mean, I, I can sing a little bit or... You know, I, I can make food. I can feed hungry people. I, I can welcome people as they come in the doors. I, I can go, you know, build beds for kids that don't have a bed to sleep in. I can sit there and I can listen to someone as they tell me about a challenge that they might be facing. And Jesus says, all right, bring it to me. Bring that to me and I will do more with it than you could ever imagine. Bring that to me with confidence knowing what I can do and what I will do through you. Again, he's not commanding us to do it ourselves. He's inviting us to come in and do it right alongside him as he does the work. And I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus' disciples just for a moment. What do you think that was like, being there in the midst of those hungry people and seeing them all be fed by five loaves and two fish? I wonder sometimes, what, how did Jesus do this miracle, right? Did he just create like this, this mountain of bread and he just started handing out loaves from this huge mountain of bread? Or, or did he have one of those special baskets that like just doesn't have a bottom to it and he just keeps pulling bread out? At what point did his disciples look at him and say, Jesus, what's going on here? We should have been out of bread a long time ago. Where are you getting all this from? I wonder sometimes what that looked like. But no matter what it looked like, I ask you this. Do you think the disciples grew in their faith as they watched Jesus take what seemed like it would never be enough and fed 5,000 people with it? 
Do you think they left that event with a renewed trust in who Jesus was and what he was capable of doing? And do you think that your faith will grow as you see Jesus take the gifts that you bring and do the miraculous with them as well? Do do you think your faith will grow as you come to realize just how abundantly God has blessed and gifted you, and not even just abundantly, but how appropriately he has gifted you for the circumstances that you face in your life? He's inviting us to come in and get to be a part of that. But here's the thing, those temptations that we discussed earlier, they're, they're still going to get us at times. There's still going to be that tendency to be uncomfortable by the needs of others, that, that tendency to be convinced we don't have anything to offer or that what we have to offer will never be enough or that selfishness where we want to take those gifts and just use them for our own purposes. I can assure you this wasn't the last time that Jesus had to have a conversation like this with his disciples. It wasn't the last time he had to show them his ability to do the miraculous. And this isn't the last time that that you'll have to be reminded that Jesus does this for us. Our sin still gets us at times. And let's be honest too, there's still going to be those times where the needs around us go unmet. There's still going to be those hungry people. There's still going to be those kids that are sleeping on the floor and not in beds. Still going to be those men in prison that have been forgotten. There's still going to be those women that need rescued from those terrible situations. There will be times where our physical and, and earthly needs go unmet. But in those times, we can be reminded that our greatest need is always met by Jesus. That need that we all have for forgiveness and redemption and, and salvation. See, when we bring our greatest need before Jesus, he's not made to feel uncomfortable. Jesus doesn't worry about whether he has enough to offer us. He doesn't worry about whether he has, if it'll be enough. Because with Jesus, it's always enough. See, he doesn't just tell us to, to bring him the good things and he'll do the miraculous with that. He tells us even to bring the bad things, even bring the difficult things. He says, bring me your very sins and I will do something miraculous with those. I'll, I'll wash them clean in the blood that I poured out for you on the cross. I'll, I'll take those sins and I'll remove them as far from you as the east is from the west. Jesus says, even bring me that and I will do the miraculous with it. So God will grow you in your faith through the blessing of his spiritual gifts. He will grow you in the faith as you have opportunity to see him take those gifts and do miraculous things with them. And he'll grow you in your faith as he continues to speak his gospel message of Jesus Christ into your lives. So I encourage you today that in response to that graciousness of our Lord that you would follow God's invitation to see the gifts that he has blessed you with, to go and see what he's given you, and then to bring them to him and watch him go to work. And now, may the peace of God, this peace which surpasses all human understanding, may it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Uh, As we usually do, we're going to move now into a time of confession here this morning. And what I want to invite you to do is is to join me in this time of just silent confession. As, As we reflect on the things that God has convicted us of through his word this morning, and as we consider the things that we brought with us along here today as well, I invite you to join me now into a time of confession as we bring those before our God.
God tells us in our word that if, if he were to keep a record of all of our sins, that none of us would even be able to stand. But then his word goes on to say that, but with him though there is forgiveness. And so what I want to remind you of today is that through Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness and redemption of those sins that we bring before him. That, that he has washed us clean, as we said, that he separated them completely away from us. And I pray that as you leave here today, you would do so confidently knowing that you are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.